The Dr. Chris Griffin Show, Season 1, Episode 1. Control your destiny or somebody else will. Now, who said that? Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. Yes, that would be the famous Dr. Jack Welch. Now, a lot of you don't know him as doctor, but I'm calling the man doctor. He had a PhD in chemical engineering, and so I'm calling the man doctor. Now, most of you probably know him from being the CEO of GE for 20 years, and and during that 20 years, he made GE into an absolute juggernaut, increasing their value 4,000%. Uh, so I don't know too many people that know more about what we're getting ready to talk about than he does. He's a good one to lead into because we're going to focus on season one here at the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. We're going to focus on making your practice so productive that you can take control of every aspect of it. Okay, so... Taking control of your practice through productivity. I don't know too many people that know more about productivity than good old Dr. Jack. And I've been told that not too many people preach productivity in the practice more than I do. So this is right in our wheelhouse. We're ready to get going. Let's get started and make your practice as powerful as it can be. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Chris Griffin, and welcome again. Thanks so much for, for joining us today. I'm uh, really excited about this first ever program, episode number one, and today's topic is one that, that I have heard a bunch when I've been out there on the lecture circuit and talking to Dennis, and so I thought, what, what better thing to talk about in the first ever episode, right, of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show? But when we talk about taking control of your practice, uh, what does that mean? I mean, that's, I know to say it out loud, it's easier said than done, first off. That's the first phrase that comes to my mind. But I mean, to say it out loud is almost like taking ownership of it, right? Because you could go throughout an entire lifetime and really not feel like you have control of much, and especially not things that your practice the way that you would like because every single day we see little things here and there that we don't love they're not perfect you know how we are about perfection you know we're professionals but let's dive down and talk about this uh, so to me the culprit and the source of so much angst out there all across this country you know it's not high overhead and that's one of the things that of course it always troubles us I mean this past week I had to write a $7,000 check on something I wasn't expecting. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's just another $7,000. I, I remember I was stomping around the office saying, anybody else got a $7,000 bill I need to pay? Because it was something I really didn't even know that we, we had done and we had to have, of course. And, you know, it's one of those things. I, I always pay my bills, that's for sure. But, anyway, high overhead's really not the problem. Although, if you have the problems that cause the inability to take control of your practice, certainly high overhead is going to follow. Let me tell you that the problem out there lurking in the shadows 
is not a lack of new patients or new customers. Okay? Although the sheer number of practice management gurus out there that are trying to help us build up our practices, they all claim that instant access to new patients and specifically the types of new patients that quote unquote you really want, you know, that's going to solve your problems. And almost every for sure dentist out there that I talk to, they all vehemently believe that more new patients is going to solve their problem. In fact, that's the mantra as I talk to dentists. Uh, I mean, I could be talking about the most brilliant choreography of getting patients through the practice in a, in a timely fashion to get more productivity done, get more productivity out of your staff. You know, productivity is really my big thing. We could talk about that for 15, 20 minutes, and they're nodding their head, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So by the way, how do you get more new patients? I mean, I hear that all the time. And, and so uh, it, it almost makes me think about the, the saying, more money, more problems. I mean, the truth of the matter is most of us out there, more new patients, you're going to have more problems. It's just the way it is because most people are not really set up. You're really set up. I heard a person say one time that you get what you deserve. So really and truly, you have about the number of new patients, new customers that you deserve for your particular practice machine at this particular time. Okay, that's just the way it is. That's what you're set up for. Whatever you're doing, you're attracting this particular amount of patients, this particular amount of money, whatever it is. And so to get more of whatever you want, you have to transform your systems a little bit. Okay, that's just the way it is. So lack of new patients or new customers, that's not your problem. Okay, the root cause of this disease, it's not the economy. Okay, the economy's not great. Recent economic changes have certainly brought to light issues that have been sort of hidden beneath a, a pretty little facade in our profession for so long. That's okay. It was bound to happen. If you took action back in the mid-2000s, you're probably fine. There's still time to take action, but you certainly do need to, to get on your horse. I mean, it's, it's good you're listening to this show right now. But yeah, you need to you need to hurry up. But the economy's not the problem, so don't let that don't let that bug you right yet. Okay? Debt now debt is a symptom, but debt is certainly not the problem. It does, however, underlie the things that are causing the problem. But the central cause of almost every single problem in your practice right now probably stems from the amount of hours that you're spending at the office, okay? And I'm not talking, and sure, hey, if you're, if you're really happy spending a lot of hours, seeing a lot of patients, that's wonderful. But if you're, if you're not doing that, but you're still spending a lot of hours at the office, then the likelihood, in my opinion, is that things are not set up the way they should be for you. Now, I'm telling you right now, you hear all the time about the patient-centered practice, okay? And it is true. While you are treating a particular patient, yes, that patient should be at the center of your world. Let me go on record right now saying that. That is absolutely 100% correct. However, if you have a standalone practice, if you're a standalone practitioner, the truth of the matter is, 
your practice had darn well better revolve around you a little bit because if things are not set up to support you as the practitioner, as the practice owner, then eventually you're not going to be able to accept all the pressures that come from running a successful practice. You're going to be staying late writing up patient charts. You're going to be staying late fixing insurance claims that weren't sent in correctly. You're going to be staying late writing up narratives and charts to, to better fight with insurance companies that are quote-unquote way with never getting or losing or getting claims with incorrect information. These are all things that are going to wear on you and wear down on you. Okay? These things are the, the symptoms of the true problem. But they're not the true problem. The true problems exist underneath everything. They're underneath layers and layers of your emotional blanket you've thrown on top of them because you don't want to think about them. Deep down inside, you probably know there's a problem. You know probably what the solution to that problem would be. But you don't want to think about it. I mean, who would want to think about these things, right? Who wants to have these terribly hard discussions with their team members, with themselves? When you are at a practice and you're the practitioner, there are many times when you're walking down the halls and you see something that just makes you cringe that this is happening in your practice, right? It just makes you cringe. It upsets you. You want to just stop what you're doing, rush out, find a solution, fix the situation. Fix the situation is a good example because we are professional fixers, are we not? That's how a lot of us, you know, that's what we do in life. We find, we, we talk to patients, we find their problems, and we come up with solutions to fix their problems. We are professional fixers, okay? But as you look at your practice, there are just so many, so many wheels turning that if you tried to fix every situation, you know, your brain would just gloss over and eventually you would just blow up, you know, vent your anger, whatever. That actually happens a lot more than you would suspect, by the way. I think that's why so many dentists are so stressed out these days and so many practitioners, period. Let's face it, if we consistently face an issue, any issue, every single day that's not optimal and we know deep down that there's just not enough fuel in our emotional gas tank and there's a concept we need to talk a lot more about as time goes on because I've heard that brought up more and more as I talk to doctors out there. They just feel like their emotional gas tank is empty. Well, then it just stands to reason it, we're walking around kind of in a fog of unresolved aggravation. Okay, that's, that's just what we're doing every single day because we see these things that are not perfect and we love perfection because we're all practitioners. There is one thing and just one thing that can really make or break a successful practice. Because when it's working right, nothing can stand in the way of success. Okay, that's a big statement, but let's read that again. There's one thing, just one thing, that can make or break successful practice because when it's working right, nothing can stand in its way. However, when it's off kilter, almost nothing else gets done in a positive or constructive manner. And that one thing is the concept of practice control. Now, I apologize if that seems like a little bit of a vague or broad term, so let me define it for you, okay? Practice control is knowing that the systems, 
policies, protocols, standards, whatever, that you as the doctor have set forth in your practice are being followed in good faith by your entire team as a unit. Okay, let that sink in. Your entire team as a unit. Because you are not out there on an island. You may own the place. You may be the head honcho at a place. But you need a team to help you pull through this and make your practice work the way it needs to work. Okay? You know when you see a practice with a lack of control. Uh, let's list a few symptoms of a practice, okay, that's in sort of a downward spiral of control, if you will. And let's see if you flinch a little bit as I go down this list. Number one, staff, team members not getting to work on time. Okay? Bingo. That bothers the heck out of me. Probably bothers the heck out of you. Do you think people realize how much that hurts team morale when they show up four or five minutes late every day? And then you have to address the situation or you have an office manager you're supposed to rely on to address it. They don't want to address it either. You probably got a policy in your manual about how it's important for no team members to be tardy as it puts undue strain on the rest of the team, you know, quote unquote. But eventually, if you practice long enough, somebody is going to test you out on that policy. It may be a newcomer, okay? If so, great, address it, move on. Worse than that, it could be a long-time employee who's just decided they're, they're tired of playing by your rules, okay? Maybe they want to test the waters, just see how far you can be pushed before you say something to them. I've noticed that young idealistic doctors have a bit of an advantage over us battle-hardened veterans uh, because after a while, you know, each battle no matter how insignificant the battle, whether it's trying to get someone to pick up a piece of paper out of the hallway before you bend over and pick it up, even though 1,500 people have walked past it, uh, you know, eventually that's going to rob your emotional reserve to fight on. Young doctors may be a little more idealistic. They got a little bit more of that emotional gas in their tank. I have found that somehow team members, they can sense when your emotional reserves are running low, and that is the exact time they're going to test you. So just trust me when I say if you let it go unmentioned, you can rest assured things will only get worse. <laughs> I've been practicing for 20 years. They can only get worse, and more and more team members are going to see what they're doing. That's going to make them get worse, and if people think there's no repercussions to missing the daily start time by a few minutes here or there, then it's just going to get bad for everyone. Next thing you know, you're seating your first patient at 817. Okay? That's just the way it is. So uh, there's one thing. So see if you cringed on that one. Second thing, staff not observing job descriptions. Now I'm making an assumption here that you actually have job descriptions. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I hope you do. If you don't, we're going to talk about it at some point during this show. But many times, teams out there, they have an internal hierarchy that you may or may not know about, right? Mary is in charge of everything, even though she's not the office manager. Everyone goes to Mary to cry about stuff, to fuss about stuff, to tell every... You know, Mary's kind of in charge. Uh, or maybe the office manager is in charge. Maybe the office manager is kind of like just really just just slams their fist on the table. You're going to do it like this. Bam, bam, bam. 
And maybe that's people, maybe it runs a good practice that way. Maybe it runs some people off. You just don't know. But the hierarchy is going to be there internally. There's always going to be an alpha in the group. And that alpha is going to usurp the authority, unbeknownst to you, a lot of times, and go against probably what you would like to happen. And they take it upon themselves to sort of reorganize the flow of the practice, the flow of the tasks. Maybe that's even away from what you set forth when you've talked to people in your policy manual, in your meetings, and they're going to move the direction toward what they want that benefits them. Um, I do think if you want to try to keep any semblance of control over what your team does and the direction that they move in, you can't just let them pick and choose which tasks get done on a given day. Okay, so you need to make sure that you figure out who they're looking towards. And, you know, a lot of times I say find the alpha, get them on your side. Well, you can't have somebody there that's running counter to your decisions all day long and, and trying to get people on their side, whatever their side is. So you need to either make peace with that alpha and make sure that you guys are on the same page or the alpha is just going to have to find another place to go. Or maybe you need to find another place to go if you can't have that discussion, right? But you got to keep control over the tasks that are getting performed on any given day. Now, I always tell my team, if a policy is written that makes your job tougher than it needs to be, hey, let us know. You know, if you have a team leader or an office manager, tell them what's going on. You need to have, they at least, if you don't want to have an open door policy, which is fine, and I totally agree with that, um, especially during the work day, because like I said, you need to focus on the patients. You need to at least have an open door policy between your team leaders or office managers and the people that they manage. So that there, there can be a back and forth there in a discussion. Because if there is really, I have been, hey, I've set, I'm guilty. I've set forth policies many times that ran counter to what I wanted to happen at the end because I'd made it really too difficult in the middle, in the, you know, the beginning, the middle, however that it was difficult for the person I had assigned a task to. Okay, so there needs to be enough of an open door policy that they can get that fixed. And, and it would be great if they could get it fixed without having to talk to you personally, the practitioner. But, you know, if, if needs be, then that's just the way it's got to be. What else might make us cringe as we go throughout the day? How about things getting done right about 90% of the time? Now, hey, I know in our society these days, 90% gets an A. I don't even know when that started. When I was in school, 94 was an A. Sometimes 95 was an A. My kids are sitting here telling me 90 is an A. And, you know, they think 90, you know, hey, if I get a 90, that's good enough. And I don't know why. I mean, that, that really bugs me. Just that's, that's neither here nor there. That's a personal thing of mine. But, hey, today's society, apparently 90% gets an A. Well, we work in a little bit of a different setting, do we not? We're in a perfection-oriented profession. We have very little tolerance for words like nearly or maybe. Now, like it or not, the minute details of our daily routine, that's what can make or break our practice. The lab case that was nearly written up correctly is still 100% incorrect, okay? The pieces of equipment that were maintained properly most of the time they're still going to tear up quicker than they should and probably 
going to tear up in the middle of a procedure, okay? It can't be most of the time. Uh, when someone tells me most of the appointments were confirmed, that means that some, which probably a lot of the appointments weren't confirmed at all, and likely we're going to have a lot of no-shows. It's going to cause scheduling dilemmas. We're not going to know if we should fit something in. Is it going to overlap? It's just going to cause a lot of problems. And these cause stresses that build up and take away from your emotional gas tank every single day. Okay, the list of things done nearly correctly that can still wreck a practice and induce major stress to the doctor and team, that list can go on and on forever. And I haven't said that. The whole purpose of this is to define ways that we can increase our productivity and our happiness and our practices. Because ultimately, when we can fix these situations that I just described, that is going to allow us the freedom to take more time away and refill those emotional gas tanks. So when we go back to our practices, we have the strength and the energy to make it as perfect as it possibly can be. And when we make our practices perfect, that is going to make lives better all across the board. Team members, patients, and of course, our own. So that's the whole purpose of all this. Now, as we move forward with this show, we're going to tackle a different topic every single week. And we're also going to try to solve problems one at a time. We can't solve everyone's problem today, but we're going to tackle a problem each show at the end of each show, if you will take it very seriously, I truly believe you can move forward and you can make your practice as productive as it possibly can be too. Okay, everybody, let's move on to the next segment. This is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and if you're ready to ignite your productivity, explode your growth, and burn down the barriers to your dream life, the Dr. Chris Griffin Show is where you need to be. Okay, everyone, it is time for today's practice productivity segment. I know that you guys are so excited, right? Okay, so today we're going to dive into the world of lean management. How many of you people out there know what lean management is? Okay, I can see you out there raising your hands. Not many. Okay, we weren't taught that in school. Let me give you the little brief synopsis. Uh, lean management is theory of manufacturing that's derived from the works of Henry Ford and post-World War II Reconstruction Japan, and it's how a lot of the Japanese companies rose to dominance in the 80s and 90s in their fields of endeavor. Uh, but the truth is... A lot of concepts that work with lean manufacturing work really, really well with practice productivity. It's just simple stuff. It's stuff that's common sense, but if you just aren't thinking and don't know to do it, then it's hard to make yourself do it, right? So today, the concept we're going to be talking about is the five whys. The five whys. W-H-Y-S. Whys. Okay, so here's how it works. Just like we talked about earlier in this program, every single day we walk up and down the halls and we see little stuff that bugs us, right? Or maybe it's big stuff, and it's big stuff that really gets on our nerves, like maybe seating patients on time late, repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Okay, we hate that. What can we do to fix it? So the first step in the process is to, uh, is to do a little research, to do a little investigative research. So... 
The way that they use this over in Japan and anywhere that practices with lean management systems, first thing they do, they try to get to the root cause. So what's cause? So the patients we're running behind. What's causing that? Okay, there could be a multitude of reasons, but let's just start with the basic stuff and work our way backwards until we figure out the root cause. And it's been found that most of the time you can get to the root cause within five questions why. Okay, it's almost like how many licks did it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop? It always took three. Well, it takes five whys to get to the root cause of a problem in practice. Okay, so... Here's how it might work. Let me give you guys an example. The problem is we're always running behind. Let's go and let's ask the team, or let's ask the team leaders or the management, however you, whoever you want to ask first. Number one, why? Why are we constantly running behind? They might say something like, well, because we aren't getting people seated on time. That's why. It's not because they're showing up late because we aren't getting them seated on time. Okay. Number two. Why? Well, it's because the exam rooms aren't ready. We can't seat them if the exam rooms aren't ready. Okay. Well, why is that? Number three. Why? Well, the truth is, Doc, it's because it's taking our new assistants you hired too long to turn the rooms over compared to the old assistants that we had for 15 years. Okay? Maybe it never occurred to anyone, including the doctor, gee whiz, skill sets might be different. We do things differently here than maybe a person did at their other place of work or in school, for goodness sakes. They're not going to be as fast as the ones that have been here for 10 years. Okay. Well, number four. Why is that? Well, there's two options here. Number one. Either the new assistants are just too slow and lazy to really do it right. Okay, that's number one. Let's hope that's not it. But if that's it, simple enough. Get rid of them, get some new ones and more energy. Okay? But, more than likely, the second possibility is they just weren't trained properly on the way that we would like the room set up. Okay, now, the fifth why. I think we finally got to the root cause. Why is that? Well, it's because we haven't set aside dedicated training time specified for helping them set up the rooms at a faster pace. And maybe we haven't provided them with the tools that they need to help them with their learning curve. Now, that probably seems like the more realistic option, doesn't it? And guess what happens when you get to the real root cause? Now, those new assistants, they aren't feeling all this pressure because why can't they keep up? They don't understand why I'm trying it my best, but I can't keep up. The people up front are not aggravated, mumbling, and grumbling amongst themselves about, boy, those new girls sure are slow, aren't they? The truth is, it always comes back to you, just like it usually does, the doctor. And the truth is, when you hired someone new, you just made a lot of assumptions, or you didn't think about it. That's probably the truth of the matter, right? You just didn't think about it all that much. You didn't think about, oh, this person might be a little slower than other people. So, you just hired them, threw them to the wolves, hoped for the best, only the strong will survive, right? Theory of Darwinism. But that didn't happen. In a very simple correction, now we're going to take 15 minutes every week for a couple of weeks on our training day. We're going to train specifically on room setups. We're going to give you the right tools you need to set up the rooms properly. And that's going to move right up the chain. And the next thing you know, we're going to be seating patients on time again. 
and then we're going to be running on time nice and smooth just like we like it. Okay, so there is your productivity tip of the week, tip of the day. And uh, I, I really enjoy, if you can't tell, these productivity segments because that is the kind of stuff that I really get into. I love solving those problems, fixing those things, and coming up with these type solutions, which seem like common sense. But after coaching dentists all across North America, I got to tell you, it's not that common uh, in most practices. Okay, so we will see you with an awesome productivity segment again next week. And everybody... Enjoy the rest of your day. Have an awesome day. Make your practice into a powerhouse. We'll see you next time. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice. So when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of the Chris Griffin Show, where the doctor is always in.